0: Good morning and welcome to our daily word and prayer. My name is Tom Short. So glad to have you along with us as we get in the word of God today. Talk about it, learn from it, pray over it, and allow God's amazing word to transform our life. Everything's going to transform you. Whatever you take into you, understand this. Whatever you take into your heart and into your mind will ultimately be transforming how you think, your attitudes, your life. why we want to get the Word of God into us every single day. And we want to learn what it really says. And we want to be conforming our lives to the plan and the will that God has for us. So thanks for being along with us. If you are new, make sure you subscribe, hit the notify button, tell your friends, like, tell me where you're from. Join our chat if you're live. Later on, let me know where you're from. I always like to know. I'd like to talk today about one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible. And unfortunately, it's also one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. Growing up, when I was a young boy, my teen years, for instance, probably the most well-known verse in the Bible was John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Today, if you ask the average college student what is a well-known verse from the Bible? Well, many of them would not have an answer. Some of them would say John 3.16, but a lot of them would say Matthew 7.1. They don't know the reference. They just know what it says, and it's this. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. It's unfortunate that this has become so well-known because I think it's also, so, as I said earlier, so misunderstood what does it mean. And I believe the misapplication of this verse has been a has played a significant role in the cultural decline of our country and in the weakness of our church of the church in our country to be part of the moral backbone and the strength that it was meant to be so we want to talk about what does this verse mean and how does it relate and actually all week we're going to spend some time discussing where do we know, how do we know what's moral? Where does morality come from? These are big questions young people are asking, and they're coming up with some really wrong answers. And it's been, our education has really given us the wrong answer to where morality comes from, and how do we know what's right and what's wrong? And we want to be looking this week's Summit, what the Bible says on this vital, vital topic that you should understand and we're going to hopefully be able to address how do you answer questions that your kids or grandkids or neighbors or, or people in your youth ministry that they're asking, how do you combat what they're learning and how do you give them a solid moral foundation, not only telling them what's right, but why it's right and how to think about these things. So let's, think, let's look at the context of what Jesus says. He says, do not judge that you will not be judged. What does that mean? Well, to find out, we've got to look at the rest of the verse or the rest of the context. So let's read verses two through four. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold, the log is in your own eye you hypocrite first take the log out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye now it's interesting to me that if you look at this there is a command do not judge lest you be judged but that's not the only command here that's not the only command there are some other commands in these following verses one command, take the speck out of your eye. Or excuse me, take the log out of your eye. Brothers and sisters, you and I, as human beings, Jesus didn't say it's okay to walk around the world with a big log in your eye. Not at all. He com- the commandment to take the log out of your eye is just as much of a commandment as not to judge. And so, dare I challenge us? Take the log out of your eye. Don't live life with a big log sticking in your eye. Don't walk around life with all these faults that you are unopened to correction and that you've got these needs in your life and you won't allow God to transform you. Of course, the biggest log, the first step in taking the log out of your eye is to become a Christian. The first step is to say, God, I am a sinner. I've failed. I've fallen short. I need you. I need your salvation. I need Jesus to rescue me. I needed the cross, uh, what Jesus did on the cross to save me. That's step one in taking the log out of your eye. And once you do that, you've made a major step forward in taking that log out of your own eye. Of course, there's all kinds of other things in the growth process that we need to go through. That because just becoming a Christian doesn't mean that you no, no longer have faults now or you, you've become perfect. No, but we grow. We become aware of our, of our sinful habits, our sinful behaviors, our immaturity, our walking in the flesh as opposed to the spirit. All this is a process. But as we discover needs in our life, we address them. That's what it means when you take the log out of your eye. And this is a command, take the log out of your eye. And then you can, Jesus said, then you can see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And this is something we should do as well in a spirit of humility, in a spirit of kindness, graciousness. We don't want to be rude about it. We don't want to be judgmental about it. We don't want to be overly critical about it. We don't want to be condemning about it. But rather, once we've taken the log out of our own eye, we have a spirit of Understanding and empathy, and, and we, we realize that yes, I had that. I, I had that same issue, and but for the grace of God, there go I. That's me. If it weren't for God's grace and kindness, I would be in the same position as that person that I see a fault in their life. So I don't want to be condemning them. I received God's compassion and mercy, and res- He rescued me. Now, I want God to show I want to show God's compassion. I want to show God's mercy, and I want to be used as a vessel of God to help rescue them, i.e., to take the speck out of their eye. We don't do it with a spirit of condemnation. We do it with a spirit of compassion, grace, and love. Now it's also interesting to notice who this verse is addressed to. He addresses it to hypocrites, right there in verse 4. You hypocrite. Not every verse in the Bible is written to every single person. Do you realize that? Jesus, when he said, do not judge, lest you be judged, he was speaking to hypocrites. And if you, indeed, if you are judging a person for the same thing you're doing, if you're condemning a person for what you're doing, if you tell a person, you know, you shouldn't steal and yet you steal, if you're telling a person you shouldn't be sexually immoral, and yet you're cheating, or you're, looking, you're you know, into the porn or something like this, you're a hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye. First, address your own issue, and then you can properly help and address the issue in another person. That's what Jesus is saying. He's addressing this to hypocrites. If you have come to God in humility, you've opened yourself up to God, you've been saved, you've been rescued, you've you've admitted your sinfulness and you you're cooperating with God. This verse about do not judge, the implication of it or the application of it may be a bit different than you because you've taken the log out of your eye. And brothers and sisters, some people say, Well, that sounds like spiritual pride to say I took the log out of my eye. Well, I hope it's not pride. It was by the grace of God you did it, but it's obedience. It's by the grace of God we did it. I, for years, was trying to take the log out of my eye. I couldn't do it until until I was saved. And then Jesus, by the power of Jesus, I could see clearly now. I could understand things I couldn't see. I could see through my own self-righteousness. It's not pride to take the log out of your own eye. It's obedience. And then we, in humility, walk in that way. Notice also right here at the very beginning, it says, for in the way you judge, you'll be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Now, that's really interesting because there is a lot of judgment goes on in our world. We'll talk about this, I believe, tomorrow. Our world, all these people who say don't judge tend to be incredibly judgmental. All the people who call upon you to be tolerant tend to be incredibly intolerant. And there's a reason for this, and we're going to, like I said, get into it throughout the week. But he says here, by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. My question is, how do you measure things? What is your standard of right and wrong? And when we talk about not judging, it's important that we do have a standard. A hypocrite judges according to his own standard. A person who's taken the log out of his own eyes judges righteously. Is that even possible? Well, look at what Jesus said. In John 7, verse 24, Jesus uses the exact same word as he used in Matthew 7. And he says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. That's interesting, isn't it? Here Jesus is talking to a different group of people. And he's not admonishing him not to judge at all. He's saying when you make judgments, make sure it's a righteous judgment. That you have the right standard you're judging by. Unrighteous judgment tends to basically just be my opinion. Righteous judgment has a standard that we stand by, and that's the word of God. When we stand on what God says that's righteous judgment. For instance, let me give an example. The 10 commandments that God gave us, and let's just think of the last five. You shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. Now, though, that's God's standard of right and wrong. That's God's standard of how God will judge us righteously. If we say that those things, if we say, I'm not going to make it, uh, if if God says, for instance, adultery is wrong, and I say, well, I'm not going to take a position on that, then we're actually judging God. And we're judging God's standard. God is, we don't, we're not the ones who make up the standard of judgment. We simply align ourselves with God's standard. I often tell people on campus, I'm not judging you, but I am warning you how God will judge you. God is the judge, not me. And, and even if someone tells me, you know, Tom, you know, curses at me or go here or, you know, go to there, you know, says something, like that, it doesn't bother me because I realize they're not my judge. Only God is my judge. But, but, when, but we are called to help people understand how God will judge them that's part of our role. I'm not your judge, but I'll tell you what God says is right and wrong, and I'll tell you how God will judge. That's righteous judgment. When Jesus was accused of judging in John 5, he says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Here again, the exact same word as is in Matthew chapter 7. And so what is he saying? I'm not just judging because I don't like the way you look, or I don't like the, you know, you kind of irritate me. What are your idiosyncrasies or something like that? I'm telling you, I'm not seeking my own initiative. I'm not saying this for myself. I'm telling you how God judges, how the Father judges, how how you will be judged on judgment day. There is a standard, and the standard comes from God. I believe our confusion on this, you... (laughs) my friends if if you haven't been out on campus with me before or these questions if you've never engaged with these questions with young people for the last 30 years i've i've probably had over 100 people tell me that they cannot judge adolf hitler as being a bad person because that's not their position to judge i'm serious people say you can't judge you can't tell someone they're wrong and say how about Hitler could you say Hitler was wrong no that's not our role we can't say he was wrong if you cannot say Adolf Hitler was wrong how in the world can, can that's that is the philosophical framework to allow evil to run rampant and for good people to not even speak against it, no wonder society breaks down. No wonder culture breaks down. No wonder so many people do whatever's right in their own eyes because as Christians and as the, the, the church of God, the pillar and support of the truth, if we don't know and if our young people don't know how to understand what's right, what's wrong, and how to have the moral courage to say this is what God says... Instead of being confused by saying, well, all God says is I should never judge anybody. I should never make a moral judgment. I should never say anything's wrong. That's not my role. No wonder, no wonder we have a generation cut loose, a couple generations now just cut loose to do whatever they want because as Christians, we've been neutered. We've, been, we, we, we've lost our, our, any sense of intellectual ability to say what's right and wrong. very, very important things we're going to be talking about this week, how we know it's right, how we know it's moral. And and as you can say, there is a role for us to judge. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't go judging when there's a log in your own eye. Don't go condemning without offering help and without trying to restore a person, without offering hope to a person. But judge with righteous judgment by the standard of God's word, not seeking my own will, not just trying to put forth what I want, but seeking the will of our Father who's in heaven, and establishing He is the authority. Morality and truth and rightness comes from Him. This is the case we'll be building through the week. I hope you'll be joining me, but for now let's crowd to God. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. It guides us. It is, it is like a, a, a um, light in the darkness. It's like the lighthouse when we're out at sea. And so many people, Lord, it's like I just think our culture, our young people, so many of us older people, so many of our churches seem to be like a, a, a ship being out at sea, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, every current, and uh, no anchor, no sail, no rudder, just tossed about. We pray, Father, that when it comes to understanding what's good, moral, and right, we would have a solid anchor and a solid rudder in your word and your truth. And I pray, Father, that in a culture that has, as a Christian culture that's lost the ability to, to confidently stand for what's right and true, you would even equip us to be people who can speak, who can act confidently, and who can help build that confidence into the next generation of young Christian people. Lord, I pray for each of us, we would take the log out of our own eye. Don't let us be self-righteous like those Pharisees. Don't let us be hypocrites like those Pharisees. We acknowledge our need of Jesus Christ. We acknowledge our own propensity to be wrong, but we stand firmly on the truth of your word. That's where we stand. Your word is our standard. You are our standard. And we will stand for that and defend that. Give us the courage to be like that, we pray. Help us all week as we discover and get the tools and become equipped how to stand for what, how to understand what's morally good and true, and how to teach that and def, uh, to the next generation and defend it against the accusation of secular sin in our day. We pray these things. We give you this very day. Lord, we pray for some of the people who are here regularly. I pray for Peter again for his continued recovery. I pray for Carl with his upcoming um, heart procedure on Wednesday that you'd be with them. The doctors be diagnosed properly and they'd be skilled in their treatment and he'd come out in full health we pray these things we bless you we love you and worship you you're a wonderful god we delight to follow you we pray this in jesus name amen amen and amen god bless you so glad to have you along with me today again my name is tom short i am i am glad we're here every single day we get in the word of god every day we pray about it We talk about it. We want to apply it into our lives. You got to be here with us, folks. Don't be negligent about the Word of God. I want to challenge you. Come here every day. Every day. Make a commitment, not just when you feel like it. Make a commitment to be here every day for the next several weeks. See if it doesn't begin to do something inside of you. I trust it will. I love you guys. So glad you're with us. Until we meet tomorrow, 8.30 a.m. live, or you can watch later in the day on YouTube or hear the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google platforms. Until we meet tomorrow, might God bless you, strengthen you, fill you with peace, love, faith, and courage. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow.